So I want to share with you a word that I learned recently, a new word called doom scrolling. What it is is that it's a behavior of uh, incessant scrolling on devices like a smartphone or an iPod to read one bad news after another from one social network to another, from Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, etc., and from one news medium to another. I think, you know, in this year, we all have had enough of bad news from the pandemic uh, starting earlier this year, uh, the fire and the uh, hurricanes out east, and also the election, because whoever is elected, a half of the country is not happy about it. And I think fundamentally uh, in our human psyche, we are naturally attracted to bad news because um, this prepares us to get ready for emergencies. And also getting this information can uh, cause an adrenaline rush that gives us some excitement. However, there are quite a few negative effects of doom scrolling, including anxiety, the loss of sleep, also an increasing of isolation among family members because they are spending time scrolling uh, on, on their devices rather than paying attention to each other. Can also contribute to a sense of helplessness and even despair because nothing changes, nothing in the world changes by scrolling alone. And if uncontrolled, therefore, uh, this can even cause depression, unfortunately. So psychologists suggest maybe setting a time limit for scrolling and be more self-cognizant of what you're looking at, what you're reading, and to do positive things to counteract those negative effects, uh, like reading a good book instead. Whereas I recommend something else. I recommend cry-stroke scrolling. So what am I talking about? It's basically load up your Bible on your device on your devices and scroll through the chapters of the Gospels or to break open a paper copy of the Bible. I think it's a good practice to do um, because, you know, Advent is coming next week and I think it's a great way to welcome the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ into this world. And fi finally, because ultimately, no matter who is the president, Jesus Christ is still the king. He is still in charge. No matter how long this pandemic persists, Jesus still is in charge of the world. So that's exactly what we're celebrating today, Jesus Christ as the king of the universe. But in what sense is Jesus a king? I would like to um, illustrate his kingship using a work by St. Thomas Aquinas called On Kingship. So according to St. Thomas Aquinas, a good king should do three things. First of all, uh, to establish a kingdom, if this king is the founding father of a dynasty or a nation, he should found a new kingdom. And then he should govern this kingdom well, putting things in order. And ultimately, he has to lead his people to the ultimate fulfillment and happiness. So how does Jesus establish a king? Uh, sorry, a kingdom. Uh, as we profess uh, in the creed every Sunday, all things in heaven and earth were made through Jesus Christ. 
But more specifically, St. Paul in the first reading tells us that Jesus is the first person to rise from the dead. So as it were, he's the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. And he can also raise each of us from death to, not, to life by sharing with us his divine life. And therefore, all who share this divine life can become a citizen in his kingdom. But what is his kingdom like? What is, what is his kingdom? Um, how can we describe his kingdom? So now, let's review the parables that we heard this year uh, from the Gospel of St. Matthew. Since I think this is the last Sunday of the liturgical year, I think it's a good idea to review what we have heard so far this year. It is a kingdom where everybody can belong. Everybody can belong to this kingdom and nobody is rejected simply because of who they are. It's like a king who invites everybody in town to go to the wedding banquet of his son. And not only is he inviting everybody, he is also inviting, sending out invitations all the time. Like this landowner who goes to the market so many times in a day to hire more workers to go into his vineyard. And because of all these, this kingdom continues to grow. At the beginning, it may have seemed very insignificant, very tiny, but eventually it will grow and become something great, something universal. Um, it's kind of like a tiny seed that Jesus talks about that will eventually grow into a big tree. It's also like a small pinch of yeast that we put into a dough. And this little pinch of the yeast can make the entire dough rise and eventually become um, a big loaf of bread. And moreover, there might be some impurities for the time being, kind of like weeds that grow in the midst of the wheat in the field. Or alternatively, it's like having some bad fish along with good fish in a net. But thankfully, God will remove them at the end of time. So for example, what, what, what kind of impurity are we talking about? Well, since you know, God's kingdom, Jesus' kingdom is a kingdom where forgiveness is the law, the unforgiving people will not receive God's mercy and they cannot remain in God's kingdom forever. Like that wicked servant who beat up his fellow servants. He will be taken out, he will be thrown out from the kingdom of God. And since it takes a long time for this kingdom to come to a fruition, we need to be vigilant like those five wise virgins that we heard last week. And we also need to use our talents wisely to bear fruits of the eternal life. And therefore this kingdom is something very, very precious. To be able to enter is something that is worth to use all our effort to, to be able to, to enter that. It's like um, buying the whole field, whole plot of land to get that buried treasure underground. Or to use all you have to purchase a pearl, a fine pearl of great price. Because to enter this kingdom is to enjoy, to rejoice in the wedding banquet of the Son of God forever. Now, how does Jesus govern this kingdom? To put things in right order? 
In today's readings, uh, we hear the, the authors use the image of the Good Shepherd to describe how Jesus cares for those in his kingdom. In the first readings, we heard about um, how God will seek out the lost, bandaging the injured, healing the sick. And in the responsorial psalm, we really hear about this tender care that God has for his flock. For example, he uh, makes the sheep rest in verdant pastures, so he gives them the green, fresh, and tender grass to eat, the best food, the choicest food possible. And also, um, the shepherd, the good shepherd, leads the sheep to restful waters. It's because the sheep are too scared to drink from the rapids in the river. And then he guides the sheep on the right path so that the sheep don't wander around and get lost and end up in dangerous places or end up where wolves are. And finally, he oils their forehead, anoints their forehead with the fine oil to prevent chafing of the skin in a cold, dry weather like today. And so I think if we carefully examine our life, we can all see the, the gentle hands of God guiding us, guiding us to the right place, prevent us from being lost. And all of these is so that we can reach the final fulfillment. So yes, how does Jesus Christ lead all of us to the final fulfillment and happiness, which is our eternal beatitude? Well, if we are judged to be the righteous one, or one of the righteous ones, uh, he promises us that we will inherit the kingdom prepared for us. In other words, the kingdom will be ours, and all the enemies uh, will be destroyed. All of our enemies, all the enemies of Jesus will be destroyed. And of course, our biggest enemy is death. That will be destroyed, and all the tears will be wiped out. There will be no more t tears, no more death, but only the fullness of life and the deepest fulfillment. As St. Paul says in today's reading, God will be all in all, and God is life, none other than life itself. So this is our King, Lord Jesus Christ. As mighty as he is, he completely identifies with the smallest and the most marginalized members of our society. Therefore, to serve them is to serve our King. And this is how we enter the kingdom of God. As um, the gospel tells us today that there will be a judgment. One day we will have to render an account to, to God for what we have done in this lifetime. Or as St. John of the Cross so famously says it, at the evening of life, we shall be judged on our love. And therefore he goes on to say, we need to learn to love as how God would like to be loved. Thankfully, from the gospel, we also know how to do that, what he expects of us and how we can do it and how to enter his kingdom. And moreover, he is here always to help us along. So thinking about these, I think we can be filled with a sense of hope that we, we, we know how to enter into his kingdom and this kingdom is already prepared for us. So now, let me ask you again, who or what would you rather scrolling about? Ultimately, no matter who is the president, Jesus still is the king. <laughs>